Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. All right, that should have given you time to find First Peter, chapter 2. If you haven't already found it, go to the book of Revelation and back up. You'll run into it fairly quick. I'm concluding this morning with the last in the series of messages on the general question, what is the church? And uh, three of those came that I preached came from the book of Matthew. This one I'm concluding now will be from uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read the first 10 verses on the general question, what is the church? And the statement as you find it in your bulletin for the message this morning is the church a people of God. From 1 Peter chapter 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded, that is, disappointed. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. Unto them which be disobedient, The stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which hath not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. The ninth and tenth verses are the key to this morning's message, and you will recognize that I got the title of the message out of the tenth verse, but are now the people of God. Verse 9 states in a nutshell what the Lord has stated about the church. We are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. And here's his purpose for identifying us that way. 
that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter gives us a rather dynamic comparison between people who are saved and those who are lost in this passage of Scripture. You may not at first recognize that he has done that, but I want to point out to you that which identifies this statement. And his initial statement in the early portion of chapter 2 is centered around what people see in or do with a building block. We dealt with this a little bit last Wednesday night in our Bible study. He identifies that there is a group of people who have tasted of the Word and discovered that it was delightful to the taste buds. That's what verse 2 and 3 says. He says that we are as newborn babies who desire the sincere milk of the Word. All of us have been acquainted with babies of some sort, human babies, baby kittens, baby dogs, baby cattle, baby horses, baby whatever. And one of the things that we learn, that when that baby gets the nipple in its mouth and gets that taste, it latches on for dear life and really begins to take in the nourishment from the nipple. Over the years, when I had a farm, it was always amazing to me to go out to the barn and help that newborn lamb or calf get its first taste. And sometimes I would find it in such weakened condition because of the cold or the difficulty in birth that it had to have help or maybe couldn't nurse its mother. And I would prepare a nice warm bottle and put the nipple finally, forcing the nipple in its mouth because it was rejecting it until it finally got that first little taste. And then it would just go at it like the house was on fire, as we say. It got the taste and couldn't be satisfied until it had drained the bottle dry. Jesus says through Peter here that believers are like babies who grab hold of the nipple that he identifies as the word and discovers that what they're getting, he says, is precious. In verse 3. Desirable. Something that we cannot let go of. I'll not identify who I'm speaking of, but I want to use as an illustration two episodes just recently of two men who made some statements to me that I think are dynamic 
one of them yesterday, when a person said something similar, and I'll have to paraphrase, something similar to this, that he used to think that, uh, they, well, he said he hated to see Sunday come one time, and now he can hardly wait till it gets here. Just recently, another gentleman said the same thing to me, part of this congregation, that he can hardly wait for Sunday. Do you know why? Because, and I hope you and I are in that group too, we and they and we have tasted and discovered that there is something gracious and delightful and precious about what we're getting. Now if you don't feel that way, there's something wrong with your Christian experience. There is a desire to have something from the Word of God. But Peter goes on to say that to a lot of people, Jesus is nothing more than a stumbling block. That is, there is a piece of building material that's out here on the ground about a house that is being built and we simply stumble over it and reject it and consider it of no value and throw it away, put it aside, cover it up, ignore it, do all the things that will say, I don't need that in building my house. <laughs> Only discover that after a while of searching and looking for that key piece of material that will complete the structure, we find it in that discarded, rejected, undesirable piece of material. And it becomes the key to the whole building. That's what you and I did somewhere back in our life. We stumbled over and rejected that key element that was necessary to complete our life did not know that it was Jesus Christ that we needed. We did not know that He would be the key foundation stone. We did not know that He would be what's called the keystone of an arch. Imagine an arch and you know that stone that's right in the middle of the arch holds the whole arch together. We did not know that what we needed to hold our life together was a key piece of material called the keystone. Or we did not know that if we would consider our life as a pyramid, that that top block all the way in the top was the finishing piece of material needed to make us complete and full and productive. The world is rejecting and passing over the most precious stone that has ever been put on this earth and they are rejecting it as worthless and not valuable and do not know that for their foundation, for their support, and for their completion there is the stone called Jesus Christ. And when we have discovered that precious building block, we 
wait to have more of what he would have to say to us. Now, that's the way Peter starts out talking about the church. With that as a background, look at verse 9. But ye, the word but, indicates that he's talking about a different type of person or experience than he has just talked about. In verse 8, he said that it was a stumbling block, a rock of uh, a stone or a rock of offense. And now he says, but, but you, you are four things I want you to notice here. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. What did he mean? Those of you who are school teachers may recognize the name Guy Dowd. If you don't, you might want to refresh your memory a bit. He was the person just a few years ago, and I'm not sure how many, four or five years ago, who was recognized as the National Teacher of the Year and was given that award by the President of the United States as the Teacher of the Year. I have heard on two occasions a tape of his presentation. He was a devout Christian man. He became a dynamic leader of young people. Guy Dowd. I admire him, though I never met him, and I do definitely want to meet him someday. I would love to sit in his presence and hear him speak. But Guy Dowd, as a child, was undesirable. He was short and extremely heavy and was a person that would never be chosen to go on any team. And he, he did such a tremendous job of describing his young life. But he said uh, when they would go out to the ball field in school to choose up teams, he would never get chosen because he couldn't hit and he couldn't run and he couldn't catch. You remember how you felt when you were the rejected one on the choosing up of sides and everybody wanted everyone else but you because you were too little? Too weak? You just couldn't do it? I remember some of those days. Guide out said on this occasion his teacher was one of those who was going to be making the, cho the choices and selecting the people for the sides and he said, I believe the teacher's name was Mr. Mallory. He said, Mr. Mallory said, I choose Guy. And Guy said, he chose me to go on his team. Me. He wanted me. What a tremendous boost it was to have somebody who wants you. In any kind of selection, if there's a group of people there is that fear of not being wanted by the person making the choice. But Peter said, God chose me to be on his team. He wanted me. 
I have never understood what God saw in me to walk me. But I know He said in His Word that He did. And He said to you, I want you on my team. But you say, I have no abilities. I can't preach. I can't teach. I can't sing. I can't play the piano. And I can't do what Tim does on the organ. I can't play a guitar. I can't do any of these things. And God said, that's all right. I still want you on my team. Because there's a place for you. So we don't have to have tremendous abilities to be selected of God to be on his team. We're a chosen people. Now, Peter actually was going back to Isaiah chapter 43, verses 20 and 21 to get his reference for this statement because that verse says back in Isaiah, my people, this is God speaking, my people, my chosen, I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praises. Why were any of us selected? Not because we had the capability of preaching, or teaching, or playing a musical instrument, or singing, or doing those things. We were chosen to praise His name. And all of us can do that. All of us. Jesus said, you haven't chosen me, but I've chosen you. Sometimes we make a mistake in our invitations. Many preachers do this, and I've done it, I'm sure. In encouraging people to choose Christ, and that's an error. We don't choose Him, He chooses us. Our responsibility is just to say, yes, I'll play on your team. Just respond to the choice that's already been made. He says that we're also a royal priesthood. I could spend two hours on this one, and I'm going to digest it into two minutes. You know you won't believe that, do you? A royal priesthood. There are really two things involved in this. One deals with royalty, which is kingship, lordship, the, the authority side of things. The other is the priesthood. But let me, let me just digest it real quick. A, a priest is one, this is my definition, who is dedicated to the service of God. Now, if you put yourself in that terminology... Are you a priest? One who has been set aside and identified and made a servant of God? And I think that's what he means that we are here. Matter of fact, Israel was supposed to be a whole nation of priests. 
when back in, in Exodus chapter 19, God said, Ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I'm going to deal with the term nation in just a moment. Someone dedicated to God. I'm going to go back to Zechariah for a moment. The, 13, or the sixth chapter and the 13th verse. Zechariah is prophesying about Jesus coming. He calls him the branch. Verse 13 says, Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne. Now let me stop there a moment. The priestly function and the kingly function, function throughout the Old Testament was, was different. But here we are coming to a point when Zechariah is identifying that Jesus is going to be both king and priest from the same throne. Not different thrones. He shall be a priest upon his throne and the council... Council of peace shall be between them both, that is, between his kingship and his priesthood. Now, couple that statement that Jesus is going to be both king and priest with what we are told in Revelation chapter 1 when it says there that he hath made us kings and priests. Unto God, unto God and unto his Father. That is referring to Jesus. The church is set aside, identified, ordained as, made holy as a priesthood. As people set aside to the service of God. Well, let's go on. Third, a holy nation. If you would go to Webster and get a definition for a nation, you would discover that it's going to talk about things as a people of a given nationality that live within a certain geographical location and some other things. I'm going to give you another definition that I coined. So you can uh, use it however you want to. I want to say that a nation is a body of citizens who obey rules and strive for the well-being of society. I want to repeat it to you. A nation is a body of citizens who obey rules and strive for the well-being of society. You can tear that apart, and if you did so, you would discover that not everybody who lives in the United States is a part of this nation. What I want to suggest to you by the use of this terminology is that every Christian is a citizen of a nation, in parenthesis, kingdom, 
who obeys the rules of that kingdom and has the interest of the citizens of that kingdom at heart. Now maybe you didn't follow all of that, but let's, let's look at it just real briefly once again. The church, those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, the believers, are citizens of a kingdom who obey the rules of that kingdom and have the interest of other people in that kingdom at heart. It says two things, actually. We all have the same king. And secondly, we have the interest of each other as our primary concern. You've heard me say over and over and over again, and I'll repeat it. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you love your brother Christian. And if you do not love your brothers in Christ, you do not love the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a citizen of a kingdom who has a primary interest of serving a king and loving the people in the kingdom. We're a holy nation. The church is identified as that kind of people. And lastly, he says that we are a peculiar people. Now, the word peculiar... Uh, we may have to be careful with. It doesn't mean odd. Although we're fairly odd. Some of us are tall and some of us are short. Some of us are wide and some of us are just real little skinny things. Some of us are old and some of us are young. Some of us have gray hair and some of us don't have any hair. But <laughs> we have all kinds of differences that make us odd. And if you would stand us up and compare us to the ideal person, most of us would never even begin to approach the ideal physically. We are an odd people, yes, but that's not what he means here. We have to understand that what he is saying is that we are not peculiar, but that we're special. We are a people that have been purchased. That's really what the word means. We are a purchased people. You could consider that the church, the believer, now was at one time on an auction block, being offered to the highest bidder. Who wants you? Satan will make his offer, give his bid. Then there steps up somebody who is willing to outbid him and says to the auctioneer, I will pay whatever the cost may be to obtain that slave. I will pay with my life in order to have him or her. Paul said to the Corinthians, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Do we believe that? I'm afraid this is one of the downfalls of the church 
in that we are not yet willing to acknowledge that we belong to somebody else. We say we belong to number one. It is my life, my house, my automobile, my job, my time, my money, mine, mine, mine. But Jesus says you don't belong to you. You belong to me because I paid for you with the supreme price. Everything we are, have, or hope to ever have belongs to the person who paid the price as we stood on the auction block. You are a peculiar people, a people that are purchased. There's a hymn that we don't sing often here, but it's a good one. It's called The Church's One Foundation. And it says this, The Church's One Foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is His new creation by water and the blood. From heaven He came and sought her to be His holy bride. While with His own blood He bought her and for her life he died. Let me conclude with the purpose that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a purchased people. He states it very clearly in the latter portion of verse 9. That ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What is the purpose of the church? To show forth the praise of Jesus Christ. To praise his name. We sang the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, Holy Ghost. We are a people chosen of God to praise His name. That's our primary function. Not to have programs and activities. Not even to preach or to sing or to teach, but to praise. And all these other things are designed to be a part of that overall purpose for the church is to praise God in everything we do and say. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.